week before last, we had graduation at Reform Seminary where I teach. I hate those things. We dress up like peacocks and walk down the aisle. But I, but I respond emotionally when I watch the students who've been there for three years, who've been through a very rigorous academic uh, program. They're not old enough to have gotten the disease yet. They love Jesus with all their heart, and they're going to make such an impact. And every year I say, it's not going to get to me this year, but it did as I watched them come down the aisle. And the night before, we had seniors' banquet. And my friend and colleague, Dr. Steve Childers, uh, gave a talk on the seven things that he wished that somebody at a senior's banquet had told him before he went into ministry. And it was good and profound and solid stuff. But as he talked, I thought that wouldn't be my list. If they'd asked me to speak on that subject, I would have said, first, check your zipper before you get in the pulpit. (laughs) Don't drop the baby. And whatever you do, don't forget the name of the corpse and the casket of the funeral you're conducting. You're going to ruin your ministry. <laughs> but you know, you know seriously what I would tell them? I'd tell them about the guilt. I'd, I'd, I'd tell them about uh, how you have to stand before a holy God and say, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. When I was their age, I thought, you get better and better in every way, every day. And then, then I'd been commissioned by God to help other people who struggle with getting better and better uh, in every way, every day, and couldn't quite pull. I'd help them get better and better. Hadn't, hadn't worked out that way. In fact, sometimes I think it went in the opposite direction. Do you have any idea how hard it is for somebody like me to do something like this? You just, you just don't know. I, I wish God had said more about booze in the Bible. You ought to hear, you ought to hear my Carrie Nation sermon. on. I'm a teetotaler. Demon rum. And I, and I, could, preach, I, I could preach on laziness as one of the seven deadly sins. I'm a workaholic, and I love to say, you sluggards. And I, and I could preach on prayer without feeling too guilty because I'm a man of prayer. If you're like me, you have to be. It takes a long time to confess. And, uh, <laughs> but that's about the list. I mean, when it gets beyond those three, I, I think this is, I ought not be doing this. And there's no text in the Bible that gives me any more trouble than the one we're going we're gonna to study this morning. By the way, God told me to teach this to you. I know that sounds spiritual, but it's true. And then I realized he didn't care about you. He was teaching it to me. I've taught this 80,000 times, and I've never seen, I've never seen what I'm going to teach you. And, I, and it gives me a fit, but it doesn't give me a fit anymore because I got this down. I understand for the first time, and I can hardly wait to share it with you. Turn to the sixth chapter of Luke. I'm going to start reading at the 27th verse of the sixth chapter of Luke. Feel free to look around and see who and who did not bring their Bibles. 
Luke, the physician, says that Jesus said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefits that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount, but you... You love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why? Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye out when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. I can hardly wait to teach you what I've learned, but first... We need to go down one side road, and it is this. Do not make this text carry more weight than God designed for it to carry. This is not a brief for Christians getting a lobotomy. It's not a brief for pacifism. It's not an argument for why you should be nicer than pagans. That's not what this text is all about. It amazes me what happens in the church. We take lusty, strong-willed, uh, stand-up kind of people, lead them to Jesus, and they come out as weenies. That's not what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to do just, did you hear about the woman who went to the doctor and the nurse was getting her information and said, how tall are you? And she said, I'm 5'9". nine. said, what do you weigh? And she said, 130 pounds. So they put her on the scales and measured her, and she said, honey, you're 5'5", five five and you weigh 162 pounds. And then they began to take her blood pressure, and they went through the roof. And the nurse said, honey, this is awful. She said, of course it's awful. When I came in here, I was tall and thin. Now I'm short and fat. <laughs> that happens, uh, happens to Christians sometimes. Where did we get the idea that Jesus died to make us nice? This text doesn't say that we're never supposed to see evil or speak truth, of course, or not to have convictions or not to stand up and be counted. 
I like him, Scott Peck, the psychiatrist's book, The Road Less Traveled. It was written a number of years ago. It was a great book. And he was not a Christian when he wrote it. He said, among other things, that the cause of almost all mental illness is an inappropriate effort to avoid pain. That's profound. I thought, this is a cool book. Then he got saved, and, uh, and he wrote another book called The People of the Lie, which was not as good as the first one, but it was a good book. A few weeks ago, I was in an airport, and I saw the book The Road Less Traveled Revisited. And so I bought it, read it, and burned it. It's awful. It's just terrible. I don't know why God couldn't just leave him a pagan till the day before he died and then lead him to Christ. He had some good stuff to say until the Christians got a hold of him. When they got a hold of him, he starts doing this new age sweet stuff. And it, and you, I, this text is not that. This text is about an attitude. And as I said before I so rudely interrupted myself, this thing has given me a fit. I mean, this is not my text. God, can I teach something else? This is not, it's hard anyway, and I'm doing the best I can, but not this text. I have an associate that says, when I spit on the ground, the grass withers. And a psychiatrist told me I lived on the edge of hostility. I would... I carry a gun. Now listen, if, <laughs> if, if you're persecuted for Jesus' sake, you have to take it. I don't care what they do to your family or to your goods or to your, I mean, you gotta, you gotta bless them, you gotta forgive them, you gotta take it. But if it's random violence, you can shoot those suckers. And, And you never know when random violence is going to So I carry, I was doing my, I was praising and worshiping God in traffic the other day when this twit cut me off. <laughs> I went from praise to paganism, just like that. <laughs> Love your enemies, what's that about? What if they don't deserve forgiveness? What if they don't deserve mercy? What if they've done really, really bad stuff to me? This is not my text. And I said, God, could I teach something else? He said in Hebrew, study to show thyself approved. And so I did that. And I'm so I'm going to teach you stuff that will change your life and the lives of everybody around you. And, and I want you to know it was written for me. When my brother was in Vietnam, he was a Marine. He was in petroleum engineering. And I remember him laughing and telling me a story about a guy, a pilot who was in a 747 and landed at the wrong airport in Vietnam. <laughs> and and the, the tower says, we don't see you. And the pilot says, of course you see me. They say, we don't see you. And he's, the pilot said, well, I'm going to land anyway. So he lands. And they said, we still don't see you. And he said, I'm a 747, of course you see. And then he realized he's at the wrong airport. He's not at Da Nang. He's 100 miles away, and there's not enough runway to get out. So they call his commanding officer, and he says, what am I going to do? And he said, son, I don't know. You put it there, you get it out. <laughs> well, I thought, every time I studied this text, I thought it said, you got the way you are. Do something. If you, it's hard. I mean, if you've been abused, it's hard. You know, if they slap you on the face, it's but, but you're, you're growing, and you get better and better in every way. And, and if you read the Bible a lot, and you pray a lot, and you go to church a lot, and you go to Bible studies, and you're really serious about this thing, Jesus will change you. And pretty soon, you'll be able to forgive twits, to love idiots, 
to be nice. That's not what this text is saying. This text is so radical, it'll blow you away. Speaking of radical, don't you hate that word? I couldn't think of a better word as I was going through it. I want you to know first, Jesus called to radical obedience. You can just start in the text. Listen to this. But I say to you, here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Do good to those uh, who do good to you. That's what the pagans do. Lend without expecting any. Show mercy. Don't judge. It goes on. This, and you can't get away from this. This is a call to radical obedience. Don't give me the drivel about I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. Well, of course, but that's not what it means. The law is given for a reason to bring us under conviction. And you can't erase this from Scripture. The world says that it's self-actualization, and Jesus says it's self-death. And so as I study this text, I go, whoa. Oh, man. I can't. I'm, oh, I, I want to die. I don't want to be this way. Fix me and make me different. So you can't soften the radical obedience I told you about how guilt works. Real guilt starts with doing something bad, feeling bad, getting punished, and getting free. That's healthy. That's good. That's good prison philosophy. It's good social philosophy. It's good educational philosophy. It's good parental philosophy. You do something bad, you feel bad, you get punished, and you get free. That's cool. That's good. That's real healthy guilt. Now, let me tell you about unhealthy guilt. Unhealthy guilt doesn't have a one. In other words, you've been abused or ashamed or shamed or put down or hurt or you have issues in your background and you feel like dirt and you want to eat dirt and you feel so bad about yourself, so you feel bad and you punish yourself and that makes you feel worse. So you punish yourself more and then you feel worse. Then you, if there's no one, there's never a four. And as somebody has said, never repent of a sickness and never treat a sin. So there's real guilt, and as I read this text to you, if you didn't wince, you didn't understand. If you didn't hold up the mirror of God's absolute call to obedience, you didn't get it. God is not calling you to be religious and have power. He's calling you to run to Jesus and be weak, and in your weakness and your lack of mercy and your need for forgiveness, then God's going to do something. And he's, I don't know, where do we get this celebrity thing? That's crazy. So, so you, can't, you can't soften the radical obedience to which Jesus calls us. He calls us to come to the end of ourselves. He calls us to take up a cross. What's a cross? It's a place where people die. He's calling us to self-death. Can't erase that. It leaves a smudge on the page every time you do that. But Jesus didn't just say that. Notice not only his call to radical obedience, notice his reference to a radical God. 
Look at um, the second part of the 35th verse, but I'll start at the 35th verse. But love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. And here it comes, sports fans. You will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful. He is kind to the evil. That's not us, that's them. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. If, if you've listened to me teach much, I often say that God's not angry at his people, and he's not. I don't care where you've been or what you've been smoking or where you've been sleeping or what you've been drinking or where you've gone. I don't care about the far country. If you're his, he'll never be angry at you because of the imputation of Christ's righteousness in the believer's life. Now, I've said that. That's who I am. But I always, because you never know when unbelievers are going to be in a congregation. I always say, but if you don't know him, you be afraid. You be very, very afraid because you're living under the wrath of a holy God. I still believe that. But I'm not going to say it that way anymore. I'm going to say it softer <laughs> because of this text. Do you notice, notice what Jesus said? Jesus says, that God, and we'll be his sons and daughters, that God likes Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code. What's with that? That God likes the strippers and the gays and the sinners and the atheists. That, that God is that. One time Lincoln went to visit a hospital peopled with wounded soldiers that were captured from the Confederate Army. And they, they knew their enemy was coming to visit, and they hated that. They, did, they were angry until Lincoln showed up, and he didn't say anything. He stood in the door, looked at the soldiers, and he wept. It's the kind of God we worship. Seems to me he ought to like us better than he does then. I mean, don't you think? I mean, we're in church after all. I mean, we're... We read the Bible and pray, after all. Seems to me, seems to me he ought to like us a little bit better. We've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. He ought to like us. But here, God, God is portrayed as a God who is kind to the evil and is a merciful God to all of you. Yeah, I believe in the wrath of God, but I'm going to say that softly because there's something else going on here. And then thirdly, I want you to see not only a call to radical obedience, a reference to a radical God, look at the appeal to radical honesty. Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Who's he talking about? He's talking about us. And the implication is that we, right now, deserve judgment. He's not talking about them. He's talking about us. I'm just now seeing this. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Why did he say you'll be forgiven? Because he knows that we need desperately to be forgiven for what you said to your wife this morning or to your husband last night or to your kids last week for the things you thought, the things you wanted to do but didn't have time, for the anger and the bitterness and the lust, for the way you've hurt people, and it happened yesterday. Jesus said, you forgive, I'll forgive you. You'll be forgiven. Show mercy, and you'll have mercy shown to you. What's he, he's not talking about them. He's talking about us. 
The implication, the presupposition logically of the text as he talks to his disciples is that we desperately need mercy. How about that, sports fans? I can do this. Uh, I'm, I think I told you I'm on the board of Harvest USA, and it's a ministry to sexually broken people, mainly to the gay and lesbian community of compassion and love, acceptance and truth, but without compromising the truth. In our studies and in studies of uh, ministries all over America, they found that one in three men, and this is pastors and leaders and elders and deacons and seminary students, all men, one in three, is addicted to some kind of pornography. When I speak to men's groups, I say, look to your left. If he looks clean, look to your right. If he's clean, it's you, buster. <laughs> and every time I've said that, guys come up to me and they say, uh, Steve, could I talk to you just a minute? Well, you need to know here that you don't understand the text unless you look to your left and look to your right and then look to your own heart and you say, we're all, it's not one in three, we're all screwed up. We're all needy. That's what this thing, is that the impression we're giving the world? No, no. We're in church and they're not. They're mowing their lawns while you're listening to God's word being taught. You believe that? That's not, listen, we've proclaimed to the world whose side we're on, and in doing so, we've told the world that we're needy and we're sinful and, we're, and we need forgiveness. And if you don't get that from this text, then you don't understand. It's what, it, it helps you understand the whole tax collector Pharisee thing. You remember they went to the temple to pray? Tax collector uh, just hung over in the corner and... and the tears welling up in his eyes, and the Pharisee, the religious leader. And he wasn't bragging. He was talking about the truth. I give my stuff away. You know, I worship, I tithe, I'm your man. I'm not like other people. And then he looked at the tax collector and said, I'm not like him. That's true. He wasn't. He was better. He was far better. And then the tax collector said, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, the tax collector could dance, the Pharisees should be afraid, very afraid. And so when you do this text, be radically honest because it shines the light and the darkness of every believer in this place. That's bad. No, 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 that's good because the next point is the radical solution that we have to the guilt that we feel from this text. I can do this. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Once this has done its work in my heart, I live in a glass house, and I ain't going to judge you about anything because <laughs> I know me, man. What am I, crazy? Do I have stupid written across my... I mean, once I let this text do its work in my heart, and I know how much I need forgiveness, I'm going to be so obedient to this text, you won't believe it. Once this text does its work in my heart and I recognize how needy I am and how much I need mercy, do you, you think I'm not going to give mercy to other people? Is that cool? I can do this. I just let this text do its work. I'm, I am so kind and forgiving and merciful and loving, I can hardly stand myself. 
And that's because that's what Jesus is teaching. And there's another reason I can do this text. Because in this text, I begin to see that grace always, in every place, every time, universally goes downhill. Now, you can sit on the top of the hill and pontificate about your goodness from Sinai, but let me tell you something. You can't do that and be blessed at the same time. That's crazy. But I can do this. I can teach this text everywhere all over the country from now on because I got it. And I'm better because of it. And I worship him because it applies to me. But don't go away. There's more because this is so good. There's a radical obedience. There's a radical God. There's a radical honesty. There's a radical solution. But don't miss this. There's a radical reward. Um, love your enemies, do good, land expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You'll be called the sons and daughters of the Most High, for he's kind and ungrateful. Be merciful even as your father is. Judge not, you won't be judged. Condemn, you won't be condemned. Forgiven, you'll be forgiven. Give, it'll be given to you. Here comes good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be dumped into your lap. How about that? For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and then he went away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff? That's not, the best, that's not the most important text. The text that's most important is right after that when Peter goes to Jesus and says, <clears throat> uh, we left everything. I didn't like my mother-in-law very much anyway, but I left her. <laughs> left my fishing business, left my friends. I was making good money, a lot more than I'm making with you. Jesus, what's in it for me? Now, if I'd been Jesus, I would have said, after all I've done for you, that's inappropriate. But Jesus didn't do that. He answered his question. He said, you're going to get a lot of neat stuff now, and then you're going to live forever. And you're going to have families, and you're going to have brothers and sisters, and you're going to have lands. It's going to be cool. And then you get to live forever, too. Well, that's what's going on here. You know, this is a hard text. It's hard to be loving to twits, to forgive people who don't deserve it to show mercy to people who ought not be shown mercy. It's hard to give to others and expect nothing in return. It's hard to turn the other cheek. It's hard to have that attitude until you begin to realize that if you can do it, and he showed us how to do it, if you can do it, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be free of guilt. I mean, it's going to be pressed down and measured right in your lap. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be known as the daughter of the Most High, the son of the Most High. Your reward is going to be great, not because you're great, but because you're not. Some of you saw that title when you came in here, and you said, Brown's lost it this time. When being bad isn't bad enough, why only bad people can do truly good things. But now you know. It's true. It's where the power is. It's what this is all about. We're not out to change the world. We're out to speak our witness from the context of the knowledge of who we are, very needy people. And when we do that, there is such incredible power that it turns the world upside down. You know what faith is? Faith is risking, this seems crazy. Faith is risking everything you've got on something you're not sure is true. So you can find out it's true. This doesn't seem right. Does it? 
but it is. And I can do this. And you can too. I'm a Republican. You knew that. For those of you who are Democrats, when Jesus returns, you'll find out he's a Republican too. <laughs> I've got to say this because of what I'm about to say. I did not vote for Bill Clinton, okay? And, and I wouldn't vote for him if I had an opportunity now. I don't agree with his policies. This is not a political statement. Some of you disagree profoundly with what I said, but I'm not going to vote for Bill Clinton. I'm not going to vote for Hillary because I'm a Republican. But Bill Clinton did something that was so cool. Remember after the impeachment trial, and he'd come out winning, he had a press conference. And at the press conference, one of the reporters said, Mr. President, are you going to forgive those who have done this to you? And he said something that is so profound that I can hardly stand it. He said this, I desperately need forgiveness. And the one who asks for forgiveness must give it. That's it. In every poll, he is seen as one of the most popular men in the world. Last week, he signed a $5 million book contract. And I would say, God, what's with that? Maybe you've said, God, what is with that? If you listen to what I taught you this morning, you understand. You think about that. Amen. Thanks for listening. And for sermons on video, be sure to drop by youtube.com slash Network. Hey, and while you're there, hope you'll also hit that subscribe button. Thanks. Thanks.